Welcome into Lockdown Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, August 6, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 185th episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you may listen to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, etc. You'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please be sure to go do that. Also, please go follow our Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, with some really good stuff being posted there every day. Alright, to kick off the show today, we gotta talk about that impressive comeback effort from the Chicago Blackhawks last night, as they were down 3-2 with under 6 minutes to play, but Matthew Highmore nets a nice redirect out in front of Miko Koskinen to tie the score, and then who else but the captain... Johnny on the spot to get a little piece of Connor Murphy's shot from the blue line to put the Hawks ahead 4-3 to with just 1 minute and 16 seconds to go in the third period. A vintage Blackhawks moment there. And shout out to Ethan Bear for that one as it initially changed direction off his stick and then barely nicked Johnny on the way into the back of the net. But I'm, I'm going to toot my own horn here a little bit, Lockdown Blackhawks listeners, because... If you tuned into yesterday's episode, my prediction was a 5-3 Blackhawks win, so I was close on that one, I'm an empty netter away from being right, and I also said that Jonathan Taze would lead the way for the Hawks with two goals, and what do you know, he winds up with two, including the game winner, a huge goal for the Blackhawks in crunch time. Both goals were a little lucky to find the back of the net, but hey, I'll certainly take it, and so will Taze. I wish I threw some money down on Taser to score two last night when it came out with some serious cash. But back to the game, just a really gritty effort from the Blackhawks. In the final 20 minutes of the contest, not only did they control the puck and the tempo for the majority of the period, but they also held the Oilers off the scoreboard and really limited Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl down the stretch. Calvin DeHaan and Connor Murphy were really good to hold those guys to the outside and not give them any good opportunities with the game on the line. And without a doubt, the Hawks were the better team in the third period, and they finally got rewarded a little bit for their efforts after hitting just a ridiculous five goalposts last night. Two from Saad, and then the best opportunity that Drew Iron came from Taze, who could have had a hat trick. But while the boys were still chasing a goal in the third period, Taze had an open net and hit the inside of the post. Somehow it just didn't go. And that would have been the story of the game if the Hawks had not been able to come back last night. It would have been all about the missed opportunities that they had, including going 0-3 on the power play with the game on the line in the second period and converting just one of their six-man advantages in total in Game 3. It was an ugly showing from the Hawks last night, and the only power play goal that they scored came at 5-on-3, and it trickled in off a Taze's skate. So... They weren't really able to set anything up. And I've said this now numerous times on the podcast, but why is Dominic Kubelik not at the right dot? It literally does not make any sense to have your best shooter on the team in the slot trying to redirect shots and whatnot. I know he wound up with a redirect goal in Game 1, but just because he did that doesn't mean that's where he should be going forward 100% of the time. I have no idea what Jeremy Gallatin was looking at last night watching Taze, Kane, and Keith all just pass the puck around up high with no one willing to shoot it. And then 
when Taze and Kane did fire the puck, they absolutely flubbed their one-timers. So, I don't know what more Colleton needs to see to make a move. As the Hawks' power play really killed all the momentum that they had in the second period. And then, of course, to just add insult to injury, with just seven seconds left in the middle frame, Connor McDavid finally gets his goal on the power play to rub it right in the Hawks' face and take a 3-2 lead heading into the second intermission. Blowing all of those power plays op- power play opportunities, that would hurt a lot worse right now if the Hawks came out on the losing side of last night's game. Fortunately, winning solves everything, but not permanently. But obviously, something is going to have to change there, as if the Hawks can just get their power play going at all. Like, to me, they don't even have to be working at the level of a top power play or anything, and they can just act like they just can't be one of the worst, is what I'm trying to say. They just they have to be able to score more than one out of six, especially having a bunch of power play opportunities with the game on the line. They really miss those opportunities. And if they converted on some of those chances that drew iron, this game really could have been 8-3 to three in favor of the Blackhawks. It could have been a blowout in their favor, but they weren't able to put the puck in the back of the net and take advantage of some of their better opportunities in the contest. Since Game 1, where Kubalik was playing at the right dot and scored a one-timer goal from there, I might add, the power play has been atrocious, going 1-for-10 in the process, and the one goal, as I just mentioned, luckily bounced in off a Taze's skate and passed Koskinen, so the Blackhawks are definitely going to have to fix things on the man advantage in order to win just one of these next two games and move on to the first round of the 2020 postseason. Alright Blackhawks fans, in just a moment I'm going to continue to recap Game 3 of the Best of 5 series between the Hawks and Oilers. But first, I need to talk about rockauto.com, the best place to shop for all your auto and body needs. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Make sure to visit rockauto.com and tell them the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. That's rockauto.com for an amazing selection and reliably low prices. Listen... We've all had our share of car problems. How much easier is it when you have an auto and body shop that you can rely on? Well, rockauto.com has your back for all the car parts you will ever need in any situation. One more time, check out rockauto.com for reliably low prices and an amazing selection, and make sure to let them know the Lockdown Podcast Network sent you. rockauto.com, an auto and body shop that you can trust for reliably low prices. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page, at JackBushman2, and my Blackhawks Twitter page, at TalkinHockey, for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blackhawks for free wherever you listen to your podcast and also on Twitter to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, so we just finished talking about the Blackhawks' power play struggles and their missed opportunities from last night's 4-3 victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Now I want to talk about some of the things the Hawks did do right last night. First being 
They were ready to play right from the opening puck drop. I talked about that in yesterday's episode. I thought it was going to be a key to a victory last night. And the Hawks didn't allow Connor McDavid to take over the game in the opening five minutes like he did in the previous two games. And the Hawks wound up scoring the opening goal for the first time in the series, actually, as Ole Mata ripped a slapper through traffic and passed Koskinen's glove to give the Hawks an early 1-0 lead. A great feed there from Kaner to find Mata wide open at the left point and a solid play by Matthew Highmore down low to work the puck over to Kane while he was out there with him and Doc and he wound up getting a secondary assist on the goal and he also did a really solid job of getting back to the front of the net after making the play down low and providing a screen out in front of Koskinen so some really good stuff there from Highmore and obviously I'll have a little bit more on him down the road. Uh, The Oilers did unfortunately answer right back after Mata's goal less than 30 seconds later as the puck was bouncing all around behind the Hawks net after a face-off in the defensive zone and somehow it went cross-crease to find Dreisaitl for an open cage. Not much Crawford or the Hawks defense can do there as the puck should have been played cleanly behind the net by Cuckoo but it jumped right over his blade and threw Mata's legs a moment later to find Dreisaitl. So, a bit of an unfortunate break there for the boys. And something I want to mention is, the ice has been noticeably worse during these 9.30 games than it was when the Hawks played the opening game of the day in Edmonton for Game 1. I mean, you kind of expect that with both Game 2 and Game 3 being the third and final game of the day being played on the same ice. But it really cost both teams some chances last night as the puck was bouncing around all over the place, kind of made for a sloppy opening 20-40 minutes, really. Uh, It it was nice to see the Hawks rebound after that and come out of the opening 20 minutes with a 2-1 lead as Taze had the puck bounce in off his skate. I mentioned that earlier in the episode. Uh, Kirby Doc and Alex DeBrinkett wind up with the two assists on that power play goal. And Doc now has points in all three playoff games to start his postseason career as just a 19-year-old. And he actually led all Hawks forwards with 23 minutes and 21 seconds time on ice last night, second to all players besides Duncan Keith. And that's insane, folks. That's how much Colleton and the coaching staff already trust this kid. He's playing more minutes than Tayson Kane are already in a playoff game. That tells you something about his abilities, not only offensively, but defensively as well. And we've heard Coach Colleton say, Doc's become one of the team's better defensive forwards. And he also saw some time on the penalty kill last night too. So just some really impressive stuff and another impressive performance yet again from the Blackhawks 2019 first round draft pick. The sky truly is the limit with this kid, and we're going to need to see him keep this kind of play up because he's providing such a huge factor to the lineup right now with Debrinket and Strom both kind of struggling to get anything going at 5-on-5. Five five. Back to Game 3, Edmonton was able to tie up the score for a second time thanks to Dreisaitl as Highmore completely whiffed on a pass attempt in the defensive zone, and of course the puck winds up in the back of the net. And through 40 minutes, the Hawks' fourth line, they really struggled in this game. The Carpenter-Kampf-Highmore trio had just one shot attempt, four to ten against at even strength through 40 minutes, as well as zero high-danger chances, four to five against. And they were on the ice for both the Oilers' first two goals. The Matakuku pairing was out there for both of those as well. And after the turnover that Highmore committed in the defensive zone, Kuku 
kind of got caught in no man's land to allow Dreisaitl to find the loose puck. And then we know down the stretch in the second period, McDavid was able to give the Oilers the lead late, and Mata was on the ice for that one too. He made a really questionable decision to leave McDavid alone in front of the net. So it was a struggle defensively for both the third pairing and the fourth line in the first two periods. But both units came up clutch when it mattered the most as Mata found Cuckoo at the right point for that one-timer and Highmore deflected it past Koskinen in the slot for his first career playoff goal to tie the score 3-3. Three to three. Such a big goal there for the Hawks because they weren't really able to get anything going up to that point in the second period or in the third period, excuse me. They had a couple of solid looks. But they were all one-and-dones. They weren't ever able to generate a cycle or get anything going consistently in the offensive zone. And then finally, they catch a break as the puck bounces right off of Riley Shahan's stick at the left wall. And it bounces right to Ryan Carpenter, who found Mata at the point to set the whole play up. And voila, we have new life with under six minutes to go in the contest. And we already know this story has a happy ending as the Hawks were able to keep their wheels turning. And... As Eddie O always says, good things happen when you put the puck on net. And what do you know, just a routine shot from Connor Murphy hits Ethan Bear's stick and just barely gets a piece of Taze's equipment. And the puck goes into the back of the net for the game-winning goal. And all of a sudden, our Chicago Blackhawks hold a 2-1 lead in this best-of-five qualifying round series. Alright, Lockdown Blackhawks listeners, in just a moment, I'm going to dive into some of the statistics from Game 3. I'm going to take a look at the box score and whatnot. And I'm also going to talk about what the Blackhawks can focus on in order to try and close the series out tomorrow night. This is the Locked on Blackhawks podcast. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at TalkinHockey, or you can also email the Locked on Blackhawks email, which is LockedOnBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that has to do with the NHL's 2014 postseason. So I just finished recapping how the Blackhawks were able to come back in the third period and squeeze out a 4-3 victory in Game 3 over the Edmonton Oilers. Now I want to talk about some of the numbers from the box score and the possession statistics. So, after being beaten basically every major team statistic in Game 2, the Hawks were much better in Game 3. Uh, as yes, they did get outshot 28-25, to but they limited Edmonton to under 30 shots on goal, and when that happens, they're 2-0 and so far in this series. I've talked about how I think keeping the Oilers under that 30 mark is going to be a key for the Hawks to win this series as if they're if Edmonton's able to start peppering Corey Crawford, that's a recipe for disaster for the subpar defensive group. The Hawks still did get beat at the faceoff dot as the Oilers won 53.6% of the faceoffs, but it's going to be hard to win that battle with Kirby Doc playing nearly 24 minutes and taking 13 faceoffs as he only won 4 of them. Jonathan Taze won 17 of his 29 faceoffs, so he was solid as always at the dot. And Dylan Strom, he struggled a bit after winning 54% of his faceoffs in Game 2, which was the best on the team. 
His last night, he only won five of his 15 draws. David Kampf won four of his seven face-offs, and then Ryan Carpenter went 0 for 2. So, I don't expect the Hawks to come out on the winning side of the face-off battle too often when Doc is having this extended of a role, but it would be nice to see them get back closer to that 50% mark like they were in Game 1. We already know the Blackhawks' power play was horrendous as they went 1 for 6. The penalty kill killed off two of the three Oilers' power plays, but McDavid was able to sneak one in, so for the third consecutive game, the Hawks' PK couldn't finish without a blemish on the record. As for hits, the Hawks actually outhit the Oilers 19-15, but who knows how accurate that is, as it's always hard to record hits, and it really all depends on who's keeping stats that game. But Saad apparently led the way for Chicago with three hits, and then Kirby Doc had two, including a big hit on Tyler Ennis that forced him to leave the game a tough series for Tyler Ennis so far. He took that hit from Doc, as well as Drake Kajula's illegal check to the head in Game 1. He's got to be a little banged up, needing an ice bath or something. One other thing from the box score that stands out to me that I quickly want to mention is that Dylan Strom only played 11 minutes and 30 seconds of time on ice. As for the second consecutive game, he couldn't get anything going at all offensively. That line of Nylander, Strom, and Kajula barely played all night as Nylander only had 11 minutes and 40 seconds of time on ice and Kajula had just 9 minutes and 27 seconds, so... Those guys certainly need to be better as the Hawks right now are not able to count on any of those three to create anything offensively. I also want to mention that Slater Cuckoo and Olimata played significantly fewer minutes in Game 3, but that could be because the Hawks spent nearly 12 minutes of the game on the power play and neither of those guys get any ice time in those situations. Mata had just 13 minutes and 11 seconds time on ice after averaging around 17 minutes in the first two games, and then Cuckoo had 13 minutes and 52 seconds, but both guys did their parts offensively with three points combined in their limited ice time. Uh, defensively, you would like to see them be a little better, but some bad puck luck was the result of the Oilers' first two goals that they were on the ice for. So, as for the defense as a whole, I thought they did a much better job in Game 3 than they did in Game 2, as they allowed only 9 high-danger chances at 5-on-5, five five, while in Game 2 they allowed 17. So, they were able to nearly cut those chances in half for the Oilers. I thought that was really impressive. The Keith and Boquist pairing, they were really solid. They cleaned up their act and had a much better game last night as those two had the best Corsi percentage of all three pairings at 64% in the 10 minutes that they played together at 5-on-5. Five five. Of course, those time on ice numbers are going to be low because of all the special teams play in the game. Uh, and Keith and Boquist, they also only allowed one shot on goal in those 10 minutes together at even strength. So, really good stuff. They'll need to keep that up going forward. Dahan and Murphy... They struggled again possession-wise with a 35 Corsi percentage in 14 minutes together, but I did think that they did well in the final 20 to not allow McDavid and Drysaddle to get anything going on offense, and I thought that is really what gave the Hawks their opportunity to claw their way back. So overall, I was happy with their performance together. I talked already a little bit about the Mata and Cuckoo pairing, but they had a 47% uh, 47 Corsi percentage in the eight minutes that they played together. They were on the ice for two goals for and two against, so the action was really happening when they hit the ice, and they'll look to clean things up a bit defensively before trying to close things out in game four. As for Corey Crawford and Nett, I thought he made some big saves to keep the, Haw- keep the Hawks in it. 
None of the goals were really his fault. I wouldn't call any of them soft goals. But I do think he needs to focus, one, on staying off his stomach more. He was on his stomach for, I believe, all three of the Oilers' goals. And that I know it was a result of the puck being moved cross-crease and also a couple of unlucky bounces. And that really just puts him in a bad spot and gives the Oilers the whole top portion of the net. And two, I also think he needs to clean up his play with the puck. He has been too dangerous back there moving it from behind the net so far, and it cost him and the Hawks in Game 2. We cannot see that going forward if the Blackhawks want to win this series. But overall, I'm happy with Corey Crawford's play so far for the most part, especially considering that he didn't get much action in training camp. So, if Crawford can continue to play big when the team needs him most, I like the Hawks' chances of closing out the series on either Friday or Saturday night. Alright, I think that is going to wrap up my recap of Game 3 between the Blackhawks and Oilers, and also Thursday, August 6th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and as always, be sure to subscribe and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Locked On NHL podcast for all the latest news from all the teams currently in the 2020 postseason. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or at my Blackhawks account, at TalkinHockey. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your team every day.